You're tuned into the Tokyo Living Podcast, where we help you live a healthy and enjoyable life in one of the most amazing cities in the world. Sarah Furura is a business coach, podcaster, and founder of SF Creative. On this episode, Sam and Sarah discuss how her personal and professional background has influenced and shaped her coaching style. Tokyo Living is proudly brought to you by Club 360, changing lives through health and fitness. Sarah Furia, welcome to the Tokyo Living Podcast. Thanks, Sam. I'm absolutely thrilled to be here. What an absolute delight. No, I really appreciate your time. Um, for listeners and viewers, perhaps if you can just start by giving a bit of background on, on yourself. Um, I know you, you are a, a podcaster in your own right, a very successful one, and have a, a, a you know, fantastic show uh, in which uh, in a recent episode you had uh, a friend and colleague, uh, Angela Ortiz, uh, interview you. And, uh, and so if um, listeners and viewers want to find out a little bit more about Sarah or a lot more about Sarah and how um, her um, background, both personal and professional background, has influenced her current um, business and, and the way that she goes about things. I'd urge you to listen to that episode, but also all the episodes that uh, Sarah has done on the Legend podcast is a, a really fantastic show. But if you could, like we talked about off air, just condense that a little bit and give the uh, listeners a bit of background uh, on yourself and um, what brought you out to Tokyo, no, brought you out to Japan. Oh, thanks, Sam. I think we probably have quite uh, similar stories to some degree because um, we've both started businesses off here and we're both like part of the fabric of the uh, communities in Tokyo and beyond. But I'm originally from near Liverpool in the UK. Nobody would know that place. Um, so I just always say Liverpool. It's about four miles out of Liverpool. And I think that had a massive influence on me growing up because it's such an iconic city. And and um, I originally, interestingly, wanted to be something close to what you are. I originally wanted to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I, I really wasn't cut out for that at all. Uh, <laughs> Why is that? So what, what, uh, what, what did you, how far did you get? Did you just sort of study some of the sciences uh, leading towards yes. that and then got turned off or what? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Great question. So I I got as far as interviews and offers um, when I was 18, 19. And uh, my first interview for medical school, I just looked around and realized this is this is these aren't my people. This is not for me. I, I, I just I'm I'm very, very creative. And I think that something like uh, studying medicine requires something so incredibly detailed and process oriented in addition to you know your smarts I just don't think that I would have been able to survive that mm. with my kind of wild mind if you like <laughs> so um I went on to study psychology human psychology and human biology along with all the other failed medical students <laughs> I say that jokingly um but some of them study physio uh, and a lot of the, oh yeah, so a lot of people go on to study physio, pharma, ophthalm, ophthalmology, no, no, and the human biology, human psychology. There's just like, there's lots of people out there who uh, who go on to do that. And you know, still now, I think that that the the calling was really to work with people and to help them in their life somehow. That sounds a little bit cheesy, Sam, but I think that that was really the calling. And, um, you know, I also was raised as a Catholic. I say a lot about this in the podcast that you mentioned, My Legends podcast. But um, the my um, 
I wanted to be a priest as well. So I feel like um, a Catholic priest, but unfortunately that hasn't kind of, the Vatican hasn't said yes to that yet for ladies. So um, I think that the marriage between priest, wanting to be a priest and wanting to be a doctor kind of has landed now in coach. And Mm. then who knows what's going to, what's happening next. So basically I lived in the UK until I was 29 and when I was 29 again I was working I was managing a sensitive information bureau um liaising with the police for a um uh for a uh telephone company right and um I just kind of and then I had a massive car accident on the way home from my friend's wedding and just thought what am I doing I've always wanted to live abroad Mm. I've always wanted to do something different so I thought right now's the time like you you know when you've had something like that happen to you one your life flashes before you literally and then secondly you've got quite a lot of recovery time on the sofa (laughs) not moving much set thinking I I was fine by the way it was just a lot of whiplash and bruising from the seatbelt and bruising in my knees and stuff like that it wasn't you know it wasn't in any danger in the end but I did have to take time off work and I and it was at that point I thought I need to move and went and got myself over to Japan as many people do on an English teaching program. Mm. So um, I was teaching kids in um, Kanagawa area around here. So that's for anybody who's outside Japan. It's like, uh, it's the prefecture, which is kind of south and uh, west. Yeah, Yeah. south and west of uh, of Tokyo. And um, it was brilliant. I learned a lot. I came for one year. I thought I'll learn Japanese <laughs> in one year, yeah. and uh, and then I'll go home and I'll know what I'm going to do next. But little did I know that I was going to be bitten by the Japan bug, move to Tokyo, find a find and fall in love with a wonderful man who I've been with for twenty years now. Wow! And here I am, age fifty one, um, still here, still entrenched in in the in in the the. Japanese culture, etc. And so I did four years of English teaching. Wasn't for me. It was never the, it was never my, I was never a teacher previously. Mm-hmm. It was never the thing I wanted to do. And then I went into corporate training. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And that's how I got myself to to here. Cause I, again, I got bitten by the coaching bug while I was in that company, which was a brilliant company. And um, we did a lot of trainings. We did a lot. I was working with adults. I was working with people who could, you know, had a high level of English competency. So we really, really able to get into the kind of nitty gritty of business life. And um, the main client was Microsoft then. Right. And then. Um, so that was brilliant as well. I was working with everybody from the leadership team to the new graduates coming in and it was just, it was just brilliant. I absolutely loved it. But also there was this little voice inside myself saying, you want to start your own business. Mm. Yeah. And did did that sort of, was that always there? Uh, or was that something that came out during that process where you're working for, uh, another company in the coaching world? God, that is a great question, Sam. You know, nobody's ever asked me that question before. I don't know if it was always there. I think a wish to work independently was always there. Mm-hmm. And I think I tried my best to work inside companies, mm-hmm. but I don't think I'm well suited to that. I actually think I'm suited to visiting and then out. I don't think I'm well suited to sitting in an office with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I'm fine with My husband <clears throat> loves that. He, yeah. he likes that lifestyle and I think that's a great lifestyle but for me it was just 
there's a lot of I have a lot of energy that I think needs to be in other places mm. so that's a really great question um but I did start to fantasize about it about 12 years ago 13 years ago I started coaching uh, I started to be coached at that point so I got mm. my first coach because I was kind of unhappy I knew that wasn't really what I wanted to do I loved the 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 face-to-face the one-to-one stuff and the workshops I was running but I didn't love being inside the company Okay. And I just knew that. And so, and that wasn't anything to do with the majority, the vast majority of the people in there were just terrific. Mm. Um, but um, I, it was just that, that fit. God, this is such a good question. Okay. This is what you should be a coach. <laughs> um, <laughs> you already are. Um, I, yeah, it's. Because um, mm. it's actually just like, I hadn't thought of this as I was asking, but sort of uh, making me reflect on that as well. Yeah. Um, because for me, like opening my business was, it, it happened at a whole sequence of events that included retiring from competition in karate. Because um, oh. we basically started 360. I got the, the keys to this facility the next next year. Um, it got, so basically end of 2011, um, so this is where it's going to flip. You said you were, you were scared of... Uh, I know, I'm scared of interviewing you. I'm desperate to interview you. Go ahead. <laughs> but, but for me, that's like end of 2011, I was 30. Um, I proposed uh, to Lani. I retired from competition. All this was planned um, and then started my master's and started 360 the next year. So yeah. somewhere in that time, and, and this was after the earthquake, which was sort of like a big emotional shakeup for all of us. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I was actually, I had my last fight in Australia um, a couple of days after what was the earthquake was on the Friday I fought on the Sunday it was going to be my last fight in Australia um, and I ended up winning the tournament but I was not in the headspace to fight at all Lani was out here I couldn't like it was like five hours before we could contact each other by phone um, but anyway that, that all was starting to to happen and, and so I'm thinking now that the seeds were sort of starting to say either that I wanted more um, that you know working at the practice where I was was great when I was competing but once my competition career was over I needed another focus and just working as a um, private practice physio as much as I loved that it was probably not quite enough and I think I was starting to realize that uh, at that time um, but obviously going from working in, with the security of, uh, of a company to going out and doing your own thing is just such a massive leap how, how did you feel yeah how scary was that for you and, and how did you actually get started in making that transition well this is again a brilliant brilliant question Sam so much like yourself there's there's always a sequence of events so I'd started being coached I joined an organization called Few Japan which is where I met Lani actually your your wife Alana who is also one of you know Tokyo's greatly admired entrepreneurs and I think our journeys are parallel basically so at that time I think there was a real you may remember there was a real wellspring of entrepreneurial creativity at that time, yeah. certainly in Few Japan for Empowering Women, the, the networking organization. I was the president of that organization at the time, and there was a lot of really inspiring entrepreneurs in my in my in my um network. Mm. And I would go along to these entrepreneur meetings joking, saying, Oh, I only come for the food. But I was always listening and I had my ear out. And then I joined this coaching program with a woman called Catherine North. And then um I just kept following the breadcrumbs that were being laid down for me. And then like probably, you know, about the same time Club 360 emerged, I'd already been in- introduced to your brother-in-law, uh, Nathan, by a friend because I'd had a back problem. Mm. Um, and then, oh no, a neck problem, I think, actually. And then um, Alana started, Alana Jade. And so there was just this, there was a lot of 
things popping up in the non-Japanese community at the time. And I think when you've got these things all bubbling up around you, it shows you the possibility, right? It shows you all the possibility and the potential. And I checked in with my husband and I just started thinking, I can do this. And I started taking clients on while working. Mm -hmm. So I was working my full-time job and taking on clients in the background. And every single moment when I was at Microsoft, because I used to actually sit inside their office in Shinagawa most of the time. So in between clients, I would just be like listening to podcasts, watching videos, making notes, making plans, plan, 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 until I just reached that edge where I was like, all right, this is it. There was some, there was a conference in New York that I wanted to go to. And that just felt like the right thing. It was called Rich, Happy and Hot Live with Marie Folio. (laughs) Um, She doesn't use that um that uh branding anymore but I just thought okay I want to go to this thing and that's going to be the line in the sand for me I'm very inspiration driven so for me it was like that that's the logical point for me to to leave my job and go and do this I already had paying clients who would come through few I was charging a ridiculously low amount just to to cut my teeth and to see if I could actually coach people Mm. and then um and then, of course, you have to have that conversation with your husband or partner, right? I'm thinking of taking half our income out and starting something my, myself. But I had this strong sense that it was going to work because there was yeah. plenty of people around who were all, um, you know, on the same path. Mm. And and I was studying and I had all these mentors either here in Japan or you know, people like Marie Folio or other like business entrepreneurs around or coaches around the world who I was able to keep my eye on and subscribe to and all that kind of thing. So there was just a lot of stuff going on around me. And and I talked to my husband and I said to him, right, I'm thinking of quitting my job. I was absolutely like Doki Doki we say in Japan, right? My yeah, heart was yeah. beating out of my chest and I thought he's going to divorce me. Like that was my, my brain. He's going to just tell me no or leave. And so I played all that out with my coach and I said to him, you know, I think I want to quit my job and start my own business. And I want to fly to New York to this conference called Rich, Happy and Hot Live at the end of October. And um, um, what do you think? And he just looked at me and he goes, mm, how much is the ticket for Rich, Happy and Hot Live? And I said, told him how much it was, like $2,000 or $1,000. I can't remember how much it was. And he goes, all right, I'll pay for it. <laughs> wow. And I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> just You just don't know what to expect, do you? And so then yeah. with his complete support and endorsement, I went off. Then I went back to my mum and dad's for three or four weeks. Again, it was, you know, I jokingly said about learning Japanese in one year. I was going to build my website and have it all ready. But actually, yeah. I just wanted to hang out <laughs> with my mum and dad. Yeah. And I didn't have a website for a couple of years, I think. I just did it through word of mouth and, and stuff like that. But for the first five years, Sam, I'll be honest, I was more like a freelancer. Mm. So I, I registered myself as a sole proprietor. Yep. So this may be, I mean, there's, there's a big difference, right? Between, you're probably set up as a KK. Yes, we are. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So the, the, the listeners may already know this, but there's different levels of how you start your business. So sole proprietor is kind of the entry point one mm. where you just have your own small business. And then it gets to a certain point where for tax reasons or whatever reasons, it's a good idea to open up what's called a KK, which is a Kabuki Geish. Kabushiki Kaisha. And um that means that that means you're like a fully registered company. Um, but it only makes sense at a certain threshold. Um, mm. so 
and then there's one in the middle as well which I can't remember what it is now GK or something like that so I have always just been advised every year by my tax accountant yeah just stay as a sole proprietor for now so I registered as a sole proprietor did five years of freelancing so that was basically my previous uh my previous company became my client I would freelance for them I had three women's profiles on my wall who I really admired like I printed them off LinkedIn and I was like I want to work with these people or at least know them or have them in my so one place I be- I eventually became the senior consultant there Canning uh, uh, Canning and Associates okay. and there's their executive coach and senior consultant there but I went in like entry-level humble did every single you know workshop observed everybody absorbed it all and then worked my way up to that that um uh, don't do much work for them now but there was a woman called Anne Konishi who was the president there and I really admired her she was amazing sadly she died of breast cancer in 2015 god bless and um then uh, Elizabeth Handover who runs Lumina Learning and I became a qualified um uh, in I became a qualified practitioner in Lumina Spark which is a psychometric so a bit like Myers-Briggs or something like that you know yeah. where you introversion extroversion etc etc really really useful tool and um and another one called Suzanne Price and uh she runs um global uh, price global and yeah. I just really admired her as well I mean she's gone super global like <laughs> her, her business is massive but I prefer to stay as a boutique at the moment but again I be- just became kind of friendly kind of peer like acquaintance with her as well bumped yeah. into her kept bumping into her at your gym when I used to go there as well I think if I remember yeah, rightly she still comes in a lot yeah oh cool so anyway um I thought I'd better mention that since she's your client and <laughs> <laughs> um, so um yeah so you know that's the um that that's that's kind of how I, and then after five years again it's that kind of um so for me it's like that that balance of tipping point comes so I'd started taking on more and more private clients and then in 2016 something happened something happened something blew up like the car accident I think a relationship I was in blew up like I was in a partnership with somebody it blew up mm-hmm. and I was like what am I going to do and I just thought F it I'm going to I'm going to start up my own one-year program and I just threw it out on Facebook or something I'm taking on clients for one year and at the time I was doing a lot of kind of like um, being the keynote speaker at few or, you know, so I was quite well known. I've gone a bit, I've kind of withdrawn a bit now, but still, <laughs> um, you know, my face was around, if you mm. like, and I got eight people sign up. It was so cheap. And all it was, was I was like one year program. It was just 12 coaching sessions. Right. And then I would send them things and, you know, and created like a nice little kind of community for us. Mm. Eight people signed up and I was like, wait a second. If I started charging properly, this could really start to support me. And so then I was I was able to kind of flip from being like so 50% in the private coaching and 50% like freelancing mm. to flipping over to completely um all private executive and workshops and stuff like that. So it's all my company now. It's all my delivery, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really work so much for other vendors now. Yeah. And of course, thank God, because the um, COVID took things out a lot. Yeah. Um, so, and that takes us up to 10 years, Sam. Club360 is Tokyo's premier health, fitness and rehabilitation center, offering physiotherapy, 
osteopathy, personal training, group fitness classes, boxing, sports massage, pilates and nutrition consultations. With two full-time locations in Moto Azubu and Higashi Azubu, as well as satellite physiotherapy practices in Shibukohan and Yokohama, Club360 boasts a team of high-level practitioners from all over the world, ready to take care of your injury and fitness needs and guide you on a path towards a healthier and happier life. Come visit us at club360.jp or follow us at club 360 Rupongi on Facebook and Instagram. Now back to the show. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank I, you. I understand you've just had your 10-year anniversary and uh, had a big big party to, to celebrate. That's, That's uh, right. That's an awesome achievement. Uh, we're, we're looking forward to um, hopefully getting to our 10-year anniversary uh, next April. So um, Next April. Yes, I remember to coming to of... your one-year anniversary, actually. Right. Okay. <laughs> Time flies up. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's yeah. that's great. It's 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 great to get an idea of that background. Um, so obviously, coaching it's it's a very 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 broad term, and even within the business world, um, you know, there's a lot of different approaches to business coaching. Um, what makes you unique, and and what parts of your uh, professional and personal background have shaped the way that you you coach? And uh, and also, if you just sort of talk a little bit about your uh, philosophy and and how you approach uh, the coaching process. Mm-hmm. So. Like I mentioned before, you know, I always had that kind of calling to something to like, so really just like a calling inside me towards something like being a doctor or being a priest or something like that. Not that I think I'm any of those things now. Um, So coaching for me is it's a partnership with somebody else. And coaching is also um, it's it's a it's a technique of questioning. You have a lot of questions, but you don't give advice. You may make invitations offers and proposals but that's more in a kind of mentoring space Mm -hmm. so with coaching you ask a lot of questions and my my own professional experience has been when when people have asked me the good questions that's when I really twigged on when I was working at the corporate training company we did a, a somebody did a training once where we talked about the difference between teaching training coaching and mentoring and like that again, it just switched me on. It was like, oh my God, coaching is 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 the thing for me. Mm. And my philosophy is there are many ways to lead a life. So, and I sometimes say I coach at the edges because I'm not, how can I say it? I do a lot of work in corporate. I work with people in the C suite, C Nantoka O, C something O, or C something, yeah, yeah. You know, like I, I work with those people. I work with directors, I work with managers. Nobody knows that because it's confidential, right? But um, um, but at the same time, I am a little hmm, on the eccentric side. <laughs> so my coaching philosophy is always to question everything in the way that I would like to be um, included. Mm. So, you know, so for example, somebody might leave corporate and um, be starting their own business, but there's a lot of messaging coming through that their business won't work. I'm the coach who will say, is that true? Why not? Do we have evidence that it won't work? Do we have evidence that it will work? Is there any actual, you know, legal reason why this won't work, Mm. why you can't do this? If not, let's just take the next step. Let's take the next step. Let's take the next step. So um, that's something I think that I I really strongly bring is that I've always been on the outside of corporate, but on the inside. So yeah, yeah. I don't bring kind of um, the baggage of having been in there and and forced myself into a into a really 
big box because the the company that I used to work for is an SME. It was a small, medium business, not a enterprise business, which means like a massive business. So it was a small business. And um, yeah, so I, I don't, that's one of the things that I don't bring into, to, into, into the coaching space. So I'm always very, um, how can I say, I always want to play at the edges with people. That doesn't mean they have to do it, but it just means that I, I'm able to kind of be very creative in, in how I question in what I can imagine for them. So again, like as a coach, you can imagine something for somebody, but you can't get attached to, you can't be trying to pull them towards that imagination. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you said to me, I want to franchise Club 360, take it, you know, uh, Japan wide. And, you know, you might have somebody say, well, that will never work in the province, in the, you know, in the, in the, in the countryside areas. Mm -hmm. I would be the coach who would say, well, why not? let's let's look how could you do that what would yeah. be the options you know and really open that kind of stuff out so the many ways to lead a life thing is um that i'm just really interested in everybody in life there's mm. so many people out there invisible people we don't see very much um i don't you know i think my party would rec the 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 party that i threw which is very symbolic for me for my 10 year anniversary really reflects that i had mm. a lot of different performers i gave out awards to people who wouldn't usually get awards yeah. you know um and ps my my clients often win awards <laughs> <laughs> i can't be like that's my client because <laughs> that's their business to say whether i'm their coach or not but you know um and in fact at the british business awards that just went by two clients one oh, wow. awards as well um so you know i'll take my one percent uh input into that you know yeah. <laughs> i'll have that um so you know i you know i i am to some degree adhd like yeah. i am i have adhd <laughs> yes <laughs> so it's 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 um it means you are at the edges all the time and trying to pull your edges in a bit yeah so what I want to do is help people to explore their edges whether they've been neurotypical or not yeah you know yeah. sometimes for people with neurodiversity it takes a little bit more a bit of special care so I wouldn't always I might point people towards um you know specialists in that area if they really need some real real strong help with that but for mm. me I want to help people to explore all kinds of things. And I think that's my philosophy. But also, if they're super conservative, I'll go to that edge as well. <laughs> like, I'm not yeah. going to try and make people be creative or different or what have you ever. That's not what coaching's about. But mm. I'm just able to hold all that space around the edges and all the different ways to lead a life. So, yeah. And I always have been. I don't know why. I always mm. have been. Do you think that um, your sort of personal experience with neurodiversity um, gives you a bit of a, not necessarily an edge, but a different uh, approach or a different um, view on on people's, uh, you know, people's issues or, or solutions to problems? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And it's only in the last few years that I've, like, realised I haven't got an official diagnosis yet because I don't, until I want to medicate, mm. this is this kind. I suppose it's kind of a Venn diagram here with 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 yourself. Right? When would you send somebody to a doctor? It might be if they need some kind of medication, right? Because mm. I, I, am I right in thinking a physiotherapist can't um, prescribe things? 
Uh, we can't prescribe medication. Uh, yeah. No. yeah. Yeah. So it's that kind of that, that like, until I, if I felt like the ADHD was preventing me from delivering on the things that I need to deliver on in order to keep my business afloat and to keep my life in order, then I would get an official diagnosis and then seek out some kind of um, help. Yeah. And so it's in the last two years that I've realized this. I think this is quite important, actually, Sam. So I'm quite happy to to answer this question here yeah, <laughs> is um, but also and this is a secret between you and me. I'm joking because I'm well aware this is a podcast. But um, in order to find my baseline uh, of my ADHD, I've actually stopped drinking altogether. OK. And uh, so that's an interesting um, thing to be on as well. Yeah. And up how, until go on. How long has that been? One month. One, okay. <laughs> <laughs> One month. So the last time I had a drink was at my party. Okay. Um and um and then I just it had been creep and again it's a lot of different things. You know what Tokyo's like, it's a hotbed of alcoholism, right? <laughs> yeah, <for sure. laughs> and um and also the the other weird thing about Tokyo and especially being expats is you can kind of extend out your kind of teenage life <laughs> into yeah. your fifties and sixties. And I just was sure. uh, kind of not down with that, but in order to find my baseline, I think I need to not have alcohol be in the picture. So I'm mm -hmm. really, really, really serious about this. And also, you know, I think this we're kind of veering into your next question about my about 10 years and how I'm innovating the business is like I felt a really strong call to mm. change the business as well. Again, it's just like there's always this call. I think Angela mentioned this on when she was interviewing me. She was like, I'm noticing like every, about every 10 years, you just go Whoop! <laughs> 10 or 12 years. Everything just gets thrown in the air and, and we're there right now. And so I really need to look after my my body, my interests my I, I mentioned I'm 51 so you know that just just simple wear and tear on the body starts to happen right this I, maybe again if I was interviewing you I'd start asking you about this now but like what talk the, about how we don't use the term wear and tear anymore because we don't like the tear part okay <laughs> thank you annotation, so that's a good start wear and <laughs> wear and repair wear and repair love it wear and repair so um but just you know about a, a every year your body's a little bit more worn yeah. <laughs> and yeah, in, sure. in need of more repair. <laughs> so, um, and, and, and different kinds of care. And I think I've just at the same time as wanting to enter into my 11th year and wanting to change the business, I want to have like a clarity. I want to lean into the ADHD because ADHD is, 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 it can be very disabling, mm. but it also, it's, it's a terrific gift because the amount of, <laughs> ideas I could generate in like 10 seconds yeah. is quite remarkable so but I need to be able to deliver on these if I want to go into the next level of the business and also physically as well yeah. find out where my baseline is because you know like one of my knees is going maybe I'll be in touch and um um you know, there's just, there's just thing and my thumbs as well, you know, just like arthritis in the hands. I think I've not got a diagnosis for that either, but like just things that are happening. And I want to, I want to enter into the next, actually not just next decade, but like se 70 plus, like what I'm planning for that now, which might yeah. seem weird, but no, I really absolutely. am planning for that now. And, um, 
I'll probably be working until I'm 70. So I want to make sure that I'm putting down some really sustainable, um, uh, uh, sustainable things, not just business-wise, not just logic-wise, but also to keep my attention (laughs) and to lean really into my uh, ADHD. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. That was interesting. (laughs) That went where I didn't expect it to. (laughs) That was really, really interesting. Great interviewer. (laughs) Ilana Jade is a friendly bilingual beauty salon located in Azubujuban, Tokyo, that provides a relaxing haven where guests come to escape the hustle and bustle of city life. All products used in Ilana Jade organic skincare lines are delivered by local and internationally trained and experienced therapists. Ilana Jade's wide range of deluxe beauty treatments of facial, nails, waxing, massage and eyelash treatments will have you looking your best from head to toe. Receive 20% off your first treatment when mentioning Tokyo Living Podcast when booking. I do want to sort of explore um, yeah, the next yeah, your sort of transition and, and um, the next stage in your business. Just going back to your coaching, though, I, I remember on one of the podcasts you mentioned that uh, – part of what you do is trying to work out what a person is tolerating. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as soon as I heard that, I, it sort of resonated in terms of um, yeah, dr- drawing parallels to what we do. And um, I guess coaching and, and um, I was going to say medicine in general, but let's just take physiotherapy or, or orthopedics, but physiotherapy is a specific um, discipline. Yeah, we're, we're trying to address someone's problem, which is primarily one of a pain experience. Yeah. or uh, a, a limitation in performance or a goal of increased performance. Um, and so we go through all the things that might be influencing that particular problem. And, and let's take pain as a, a, an, a, an example. Um, we have to look at uh, you know, all, the, all the, the, the different types of load that might be ex- uh, contributing to someone's pain experience. Um, and then looking at what, what part of those are actually beneficial and what are detrimental and what is... Um, tolerating or pushing in um in the orthopedic world or the, the rehab or parts of rehab world we have two types of um uh, people that uh you have uh copers that uh sort of push into the pain and copers that, that push away from the, the pain and often it's it's just about going in the other direction so if someone is sort of pushing into it um and that's their coping option then often we have to well that's a coping strategy we often have to pull them away a little bit to let things settle and then build back up Whereas other people that are sort of um, uh, hesitant to actually engage with pain and um, and, and that they have some fear avoidance, uh, then we go the other way and sort of push into that. Um, so it's it's uh, I think there's a lot of similarities in terms of analysing what someone is putting up with and, and how that might be contributing to their issue. Um, but maybe if you have like a, a practical example or just uh, some more thoughts on that sort of philosophy as a whole, I'd be really interested to hear it. It, it's so similar in so many ways. And I think that um, the, the the notes I made here as you were speaking was about um, what are we what are we addressing here? Is it limited performance? Is it enhanced performance? Um, do people have coping strategies? Mm-hmm. Um, and so what my quali- one of my qualifications is that I'm a systems coach. So we look at people in relation to themselves, their internal systems, and then the systems around them. And what I was thinking about with physiotherapy is like, so for example, if we were looking at my knee, you, first of all, you isolate that that piece and look at it as, as is, right? So it'd be like, okay, what's going on there? Find out what the pain point is and so on. And then, and, and then you have to look at it in terms of the full person 
And then you have to look at in terms of that full person in their existing system. Yep. Right. So that's exactly the same in my situation, which is okay. So if it's limited performance, if there's somebody, something limiting somebody's performance, is it something inside them like a, a ghost or a trigger? So we call them like a ghost role. So if you think about, say, somebody who worked at Nissan, right? So I, I used to be one of the coaches at Nissan, is like um, Carlos Ghosn is still a ghost in that system. So it could be that somebody feels really, really down in the dumps about their job and they're not feeling very motivated. And we identified that the reason they joined was because they admired Carlos Ghosn so much. Mm. And now that dream has been shattered. Then at least we can start to work with that, what we call a ghost. That's a ghost role hanging out in the system. Then there's triggers. That's kind of a buzzword at the moment, right? So mm. those are kind of like the parts of ourselves that live inside of ourselves that we've pushed down. Mm. But they're still there. And somebody could say, so, like, if I sound like your mean teacher from school and I say something with just the wrong tone, you could be triggered and have this massive kind of reaction. Sure. And so then that's something we'd call a secret role that pops out. <laughs> so um, in the physiotherapy, yeah. in, in, uh, in the pain science world, we call that a neurotag. Um, yeah. So if someone has had, uh, you know, pain experience with, um, yeah, associated with another cognitive experience and that cognitive experience can trigger their pain, even in the absence of any sort of physical stressor, um, that's, that's, that's quite common. And we refer to that as a, a neurotag, but, um, Oh, wow. Yeah. So that would that be like, so I'm a sea swimmer, right? So yeah. would that be like, if I, if I like, I'm always getting stung by jellyfish after August. So would that mean that I'm always a little bit like afraid of going in the water in case I get that sting again? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I yeah. had an interesting pain experience where I, um, my, I had sort of shoulder blade pain that was only really tra uh, triggered by traveling. Um, and so if I was on a Shinkansen or a plane would be torture, I'd have this pain there. And, um, but it, it got to the stage where, and it, it, if I was sitting at my desk and the computer, it wasn't really an issue. Um, but it got to the stage where if I was online booking tickets to go somewhere, the pain would start to come up. Um, so you can have that sort of association as well. Oh, and that's uh, called a neurotag. That specific, the specific, the, the um, connections between the neurons that trigger the pain response, um, that is called a neurotag. Um, so you have a specific tag that says um, back pain, traveling, uh, it might be something else. And once those three are, are sort of combined, then that's enough to trigger um, a certain sensory input, which if it's big enough and associated with other factors can trigger the output of pain. Um, but anyway, that's uh... absolutely. I mean, a hundred percent. And that is exactly what we're talking about here. But from mm. the psychological standpoint, mm. P.S. It's it's all physiology at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, you know, there may be a bit of something like spiritual or something going on there as well. But but it's all physiology. I think most of my job is helping people to understand their their nervous system reactions to everything. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 it but it. It, but there's just lots of different schools of thought around that. So it's really interesting. So the other thing that I thought was really interesting that totally maps to this is like limited performance versus enhanced performance. So some of my clients I've been working with for like five or six years, right? So I'm not a healer. So it doesn't, that's not my job, right? I'm, I'm somebody who people use as part of their daily, it's the same as, as going to the gym, right? They just use it as part of their daily stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
so call by call, year by year, month by month, we could be talking about different things. So it could be, is it limited performance or is it enhanced performance? So if you think about somebody who's winning awards, who's got their business up to a certain level, we could be talking about performance enhancement, mm. right? That's yeah. it. There's no pain points. Yes. It's just like, what what happens next? What is it that you want, you know? Yeah. So um, I guess that, that, would, that would map to something like if somebody's going to be in a K1 fight, versus doing a marathon it would be a different conversation there mm. um so you know uh so so that's really really interesting and then you said something about coping strategies as well it's like um and again in in terms of coaching we have to be really mindful not to veer into the therapy area mm. so i actually have a go-to therapist who when i feel like we're veering into the therapy area i will send people give her like she's getting a lot of business from me but it's a great companion to coaching sure. right yeah. and actual psychotherapy is um but with people's permission we will what what i say is in coaching it's always about now forward yeah so what we're doing is we vi we may visit something that happened in the past that's limiting performance or is a coping strategy but we don't pitch a tent we pop in oh that's that okay let's come back to now and then use some tools or techniques to kind of take people forward, but we don't hang out there yeah. exploring it and going into it. I don't have that skill or the, uh, you know, it's, it, it's outside the ethical guidelines of, of coaching. So that's, that's interesting. And that's probably where I've made my biggest mistakes in coaching as well. It's kind of not under being unskilled and kind of know, knowing that kind of um, wh where to, how far to go there. Yeah. But sometimes it can be with permission from the coaching client. If you kind of just visit, yeah. that's where some of the greatest juice can be as well. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. yeah. So I think, I think it's like you isolate the, if you're talking about physiotherapy, you isolate the pain point and then you look at the full person. And then of course, in coaching as well, I have to look at the full person and their constellation. Mm -hmm. So what's happening for them as well. So, same for you it's like how many how much resources do they have time mm. money um support around them uh people who are um reliant on them um uh what's their what's their daily emotional load like you know so are you uh you know so for example if somebody's at, at work and they're in the closet that's quite a lot of an emotional load to to have in addition to their workload so we might talk about that mm. or in the closet about ADHD so they're masking all the time so we have to yeah. talk about that um you know and, and so I think that that's like or if somebody's a single parent or if somebody's a, a co-parent or if somebody's going through a divorce or if somebody's going through a marriage or you know all these things or if their children are leaving her, there's all everything around them like so you know you you know you we all have to know what people's kind of um that the whole system that they're all part of yeah so yeah the pain point the the performance points they identify what they want and need from it so you know if i was to come to you to ask for to 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 start working at 360 my my needs would be very different to somebody who's going to do like fight night or something like that yes, so, yes. <laughs> never going to do it <laughs> <laughs> No, that's, that's fantastic. And yeah, again, just to draw parallels, what we refer to as a biopsychosocial model of, of pain management, and, and that sort of includes all those uh, aspects that you talked about. Amazing. Are you looking for a fun and challenging way to get fit? Why not give boxing a go? 
Club360's experienced bilingual boxing coaches can help you discover the many physical and psychological benefits of this amazing sport, all in a friendly and motivating atmosphere. Right now, you can try an initial one-on-one session completely free. Contact info at club360.jp for more details. Um, yeah, I think we could sort of talk forever about uh, parallels. And, you know, at the end of the day, what we do as physiotherapists is very much coaching. Where You know, the goals uh, is to deal with someone's, um, you know, musculoskeletal pain. Um, but I think that the processes are very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of your sort of progression now at the business, um, your, as I said, congratulations on your 10-year anniversary. I believe that you've um, changed the, the name from um, Sarah Fudia uh, Coaching to Sarah Fudia Creative. Yeah. Um, I would like you to talk a, a little bit about that. That, but also just um, talk a bit about why you started up the podcast and um, what, what the goals were behind that. Amazing. Um, yeah. Okay. So um, again, I just had this. So Angela Ortiz Petas, who you also know, you were at her wedding as well. Um, she um, has been market doing marketing with me. She's a mark. She's a mark, skilled marketer. And um one day she said, oh, SFC, which is the the kind of logo SFC, Sarah for your coaching, can also mean super flipping creative. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. And I also love using like lots of different in coaching. I like I like working with people who can get this. And mm. I also like doing this is pulling lots of different people in from lots of different places. So it could be somebody like I hire you to come and talk to my mastermind group about um fitness and body stuff right or and 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 the kind of clients that I love having are the kind of people who can go I get this Mm -hmm. I get why this is beneficial to me not like why the hell are we talking to a physiotherapist when I'm in a coaching program do you know what I mean (laughs) like so it might be that I pull in somebody from um um the uh from from, uh, an artist a writer um a stylist um um, somebody who's on a board of directors, somebody who's uh, real, who knows finance well. So I like to pull from all these different places. And then I just started thinking, SF, I really want to go in a more creative direction for myself mm. as well. I started feeling that pull really mm. like strongly. And again, it's a lot of undoing for me, Sam, because you know, I said like I, I took sciences because I wanted to be a doctor actually that wasn't really what I was supposed to do so I feel like it's just a lot of undoing of things yeah, like stopping yeah, drinking yeah. diagnosed ADHD blah 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 and all this kind of stuff it's like oh so I'm really coming into I'm turning 50 I'm 51 now I've said that three times um this there's a Saturday night live sketch where they're like I'm 50 and she's like doing all these stretches 50 years old anyway um so that's the direction in which I went why did I that that's why that's going in there so basically what I'm doing Sam is I'm throwing out this idea and it's probably going to be SF creative not Sarah Fruyer I kind of want to take me out of it it's really interesting I was actually thinking of uh this is um so in the the physiotherapy business coaching uh community the the things you you never name a business after yourself because then you can't uh you know can't sell it can't step out of it um yeah yeah Alana Jade uh, is one example. Of that. Yeah, Although, but that's got enough. 
it has yeah. got enough, yeah, and and it and it doesn't actually have a surname. Um, I think it would have. Exactly. I don't think Alana Schmid or Alana Gilbert, for that matter, would have worked quite as well for beauty salon. Um, but yeah, there's always been that advice that yeah, you shouldn't have your your name. But I think if you are able to sort of flip it, like do what you've done in terms of build yourself up as a sole proprietor and and you be the the star of the show, and then gradually sort of move to uh, yeah to, to step back a little bit. But yeah, if you still keep the branding somewhat consistent, then you yeah. sort of give getting the best of both worlds there that's such a great point and you know but also I could see all these different parts of the business mm. and I was trying to make sense of it um and then I was like actually I want the coaching to be part of a bigger package so then the podcast's there as well so so far the podcast has kind of been there to support coaching mm. Because I think people's, and this is why I started the podcast is because I'm so interested in people's stories. Mm. I think they are fascinating. And I think that we, we learn so much from them. And essentially that's what my whole job is listening to people's stories, the stories they tell themselves, the way that their story relates, like their backstory relates to their future, the kind of story they want to create in the future. It's all about story, right? Everything. And so I was like, I want to start telling some of these stuff. Like you've had Tracy Northcott on your your yeah. thing. Like, she's fascinating, yeah, you know? Yeah. And she's such good company as well. And so, and we've known each other for 20 plus years. So I just thought I'm going to have her on as my first guest. And initially, and again, already I was, I had this kind of creative collaboration in mind. My friend Kyle um, is a videographer and it started out as video in 2018. And so I pulled Kyle in and he was doing the video for me. He's a brilliant videographer. Um, and we did a full season before COVID hit and then we couldn't do video anymore, right? Um, and so it was basically these kind of 20-minute videos with people. I loved them. And I, it was just people who I found, thought were really fascinating but might not necessarily get on a big-name podcast. Mm. So, you know, a yoga person, a gyrotonic person, um, a musician, like a person who was a proper rock star, Morgan. He's like was in a proper rock band back in the 70s, Mott the Hoople. Um, um, who else? Oh, a drag queen friend who's who's just amazing and really fascinating as well. So I just again, I'm if you look at the the kind of the cast list. That says Sarah Free SF Creative to me, right? Yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. that's that's it. That's my but but that's not also like I'm not kind of going. Oh, and Tia, the photographer. So photographer, a rock star, a yoga person. You know, Tracy, an entrepreneur. You know, it's like look at that. That's my life. Mm, mm. That's society. Yeah, we may not see that all the time, but that's that's that that's the many ways to lead a life, right? Yeah. And so then when when COVID hit and Kyle and I were like, we can't do this in the room together at the moment, can we? And we were like, no, and grudgingly stopped. So we so then I was like, but I still want to tell these stories. So that's when I started the podcast proper. Yeah. And that's when I started interviewing people. I think again, I turned to another fascinating friend, Angela. She was the first person I knew she would say yes. And then I just lined up a lot of, and it was like people who I found fascinating. We were talking about Chuck Johnson earlier. I knew Chuck 15 years ago or something. We did a lot of corporate training together. Um, he, you know, he was he's a he's a great trainer, even though he's now like a stuntman and uh um 
what's his what's his is it taekwondo his his yes. sport yes yep. he's just amazing so i you know i was just looking around and thinking whose stories do i want to tell and the the further away from my story they are the more interested i am sure. you know so um or, or as interested i am so I just i always have a wish list i've got one here now um but I've put the I've put it on hold for now because I'm going through this kind of renaissance. I was like, I think I need some headspace just yeah. to. So I did four sessions in this season and then mm -hmm. put it on putting it on hold until next January, just because I want to I want to land this year like going. What's going on? <laughs> what's happening next? Yeah, yeah. So that's how the that's how the podcast started, and then it just I just. I, that's it. I love telling people stories and I love putting that up against the backdrop of coaching. But now I want to tell the stories as, as I don't want that to be the backdrop. The backdrop for me is more like a creative urge now. Mm -hmm. And I want to follow that creative urge. Coaching will still be there because I think I'm a good coach. My, the, what my clients are doing tells me that that's where the feedback comes from. Mm. And, um, you know, I still get asked to go and do corporate uh, workshops and doing one next week and all you know stuff like that but I'd like to have like quarterly events where I pull lots of people together and do some work some magic and th that's another thing that I love to see happening in a room is like when that magic happens in a room any party has it you know yeah. just like you meet somebody or your mind gets opened a little bit or you feel a bit more comfortable around a drag queen or whatever it is, you know, <laughs> not that that's, that's not really a goal, especially given what happened in uh, Colorado this week. But um, I, it's, it's, yeah, just to create more creativity and safety and space for people to be more, even, even, even if it's still really, I know when I'm in certain rooms, like if I'm going to go and meet the HR director of Mitsui Busan, right. Or, or like Tokyo or something like that. Mm. I'm not going with this lip, you know, I'm going in like the neatest I can possibly look the most conservative I can possibly look mm. if that's what you're doing. But what I love to do is explore around the edges and introduce them to people. Yeah. And then we get back into where we, where we are and what, what you can do. And I feel like, that exploration is really important, a really well-examined goal, a really well-examined limitation, a really well-examined, what did you call it? Biopsychosocial, yeah. like that very well-examined mm. systemic inquiry is, I feel like, really important. And I did ask one of my one of my clients, like, what is it do you think that sets me apart from, like, think about the other coaches and they said in in tokyo and they said oh you're interesting <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's not for everybody right that's not yeah, for everybody exactly. it's it's the season you're in and i have a, i have a buffet of coaches right yeah. i have all different people like if i want to make a decision like that i'll go to this person if i want to get into the ether i'll go to this person if i want to you know if i want to look at my knee i'll come to you mm. you know it's like what we had to choose the right person the right tool for the right job right but i mm. feel like i can offer a really eclectic mix of stuff because based on my client roster yeah i know that i've taken somebody from here to here but I also know that if you 
want to make me small or anybody else if you want to try and make people more modest i'm probably not the right person for you i don't want that in my space sure sure but also i know that if you're in this particular room you probably want to going to act modest just Mm -hmm. to meet the needs of that room it's um honne and tatemai in japanese right the how you really feel versus how you you need to show up that's the conversation but it doesn't need to have be in all areas of life i don't know i don't i i hope that people can make some sense of what i'm saying here absolutely yeah. a constant con- consciousness <laughs> thanks adhd you are a great <laughs> gift to me that's <laughs> uh, yeah. super interesting do you suffer lower back pain while sitting in the office or during long haul travel the lumber jacket may be just the solution you're looking for This revolutionary product features a built-in inflatable and height-adjustable lower back support concealed within a fashionable and comfortable garment. Perfect for work and travel. Visit lumberjacket.com for more details or simply search Lumberjacket on Amazon. In one of your episodes, I think, um, no, I think it was the, the interview with uh, Angela, you, you commented that uh, a client had asked, um, had congratulated on you on your 10-year anniversary and said, oh, did you ever think that, uh, you know, could, 10 years ago, could you see yourself having achieved everything that you have? And you said, yeah, absolutely. I, I knew this was going to happen. I thought it was actually going to be better, yes. um, which I think was, is a fantastic, uh, fantastic way to describe that. It's so cheeky, um, isn't it? It is. <laughs> but I mean, do, do you, where do you see yourself being in 10 years or is that? not something that you really want to because you feel like you do need to to shift and pivot based on what you're seeing and what what's happening and the results and and everything that's going on do you have a basic vision of of what you want the business to be in 10 20 years and where you want to be um or you just sort of flying with it and uh yeah building that as it comes that's again a brilliant question and the answer is yes i do i have a i have a vision but the vision is not like i constantly the technique I use is I vis- I go into a visualization and visit myself at 61 and at 71, right? So I go and visit myself and I ask questions and they deliver back some, it's out of the subconscious, some information to me. Um, so do I have a spreadsheet with a year by year breakdown on it? No. <laughs> do I have a like... Um, I have boxes with like 23, 24, 25, yes, mm. on it, just so I can see it. Yeah. Um, but right now I feel like it's a, a resetting time. That's what I feel like right now. It's like a real reset. And I have to trust the process. Anybody does. Like when you started Club 360, you had to t- trust that people would come and pay you for your, for your wares, right? You already probably knew. So I have to trust, and this is often the case in coaching as well, is trust the process, Mm. trust, trust. And again, I'm just thinking back to like the parallels you draw between the physical, you know, physical bodies. It's like if somebody's got a bad knee and you're saying to them, you're going to have to do this back back exercise, you that person has to trust that that back exercise is going to have an impact on the knee Mm. (laughs) because it doesn't necessarily logically look that way and I think that that's where I'm at right now is I have to trust that this kind of withdrawing that I'm doing right now which is terrifying is like this kind of resetting and reclaiming that I'm doing right now is going to pay back in the future 
So um, I um, I do a run a one year program called FNJ. February is the new January. I'm killing it after five years. That's yeah. been my money maker, and I just decided that I'm this. When does this go out? <laughs> Uh, it'll be in a few weeks' time. Yes. Um, okay. Yes. Good, because I haven't told my clients yet. So. <laughs> okay. Well, get, let me know when you because I've got a. I'm... No, 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 no. It's fine. That's that's one of that's on today's to do list okay, or this right. week's to do list. So yeah, you can keep this in. This is fine. Um, yes. but I'm, and even if it wasn't, this would be the announcement. So um, I yeah. So uh, I, I've just decided that, but obviously something else is gonna be birthed out of that like mm -hmm. so a coach some other coaching long-term coaching program because I really love long-term engagements because you really get to see the the process um so there's that but I don't know um I think I need to see what comes out of you know I would love to own an art gallery I would love to have an art gallery mm. I would love to have some way of taking artists who have lower resources mm. in because to be an art it's to be an artist you need time yeah. and time equals money and mm. it's very unless you actually have some kind of benefactor or you know or or um, inheritance or you've accumulated your own wealth it's hard yeah. right yeah. um so i so i would love to be able to support artists who aren't super well resourced to to find their way forward through either through coaching and other things that's not my focus that's just something that's in my because I still want to work I still love the corporate world I still love working with entrepreneurs I still work love working with individuals it's so satisfying and gratifying and and you know watching people get into coaching and the coaching process but so so that's you know coaching will always be the kind of leading you know it will always be the leading product, I think, in my kind of portfolio. Yeah. But what was the question? Uh, <laughs> yes, 10, 10 years, 20 years time. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, so yeah, who who knows is the answer, yeah. but also yes. And I think that um, from this place of, of, of sobriety as well, I think that there'll be a lot more, a lot of things will emerge from that. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. That's yeah. interesting. And planning yeah. as well. So yeah. probably buying a house will be in there, buying property somewhere else will be in there. And yeah, physical space feels really interesting and physical things as well. So yeah, yeah. yeah. who knows? We'll see. But I, I'm... Um, I'm feeling confident today. <laughs> Make sure you don't ask that 71-year-old version of you how the knees are. <laughs> no. Well, she'll probably go, you need to go to Club 360 and sort yes, that out. Because 61-year-old um, me said, uh, turned around, you, you go in the house and sit down with the version of yourself and have a chat with them and stuff. And on the way out, I was just going out to get the door to come back into the real, the present time. And she just said, Sarah, and I turned around and 61 year old me said, you need to manage yourself. And I was right. All right, mm -hmm. Captain. <laughs> and then uh, and then and, and I think that meant like ADHD. You can't really use it as an excuse not to be on your game. Yeah. But you need to know how to work with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, how to. Mm, not to to mask carefully but without putting too much pressure on yourself sure. and and so on you know and yeah. to understand dopamine levels and all that kind of stuff yeah. um but yeah so it's really so so um yeah 
10, 20 years time, I just want to feel more peaceful and satisfied and still be, um, and still be part of really, really part of the community at, at all the levels I can be part of the community of. Awesome. I think. <laughs> no, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, so if, if people are listening and, and maybe they do resonate with you and, and they think that, uh, you know, the services you provide might be appropriate for them, um, what does your sort of coaching pro, uh, program look like? Um, how might they get in touch with you? Are you uh, available for, are you open to new clients or yes. how, do, how does that all look? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, at the moment I would be offering like six package engagements and um so that would just and usually that's six months i find like once a month seems to be enough for people mm-hmm. my, me and my coach at the moment are doing once a week yeah um, but it's just up to it's up to the person so that's that's what i'd be kind of offering at the moment and then in march i will be opening up some like longer term packages so i work with like really into so i have an invite only group mm. um which is where we all get to really play serious yeah. coaching game where you you're already coached you already mm-hmm. come in coached mm-hmm. but then i also offer other programs and i'm just at the moment thinking about how that's going to look so it'll probably be like 10 months five months on either side of august but again that's that's in the that's in the making so yeah. usually i close out in january start in february right yeah. so like now would be like my marketing period okay. but i'm closing in january and then not opening until march probably maybe April depending on what my intuition decides um or my logic depending on like what's going on for me there and then also the other engagements that I do are corporate engagements and again I usually try and do that on a six month minimum anybody who's been with me before can come back and I just had somebody come for two sessions and who'd already done a couple of one-year programs with me they were applying for a job over in the states they wanted a couple of sessions they got the job and I was delighted then she brought me some gifts um the last clothes swap that I ran I also run a clothes swap but um yeah so um that so it's it's just it's such a I don't know I think the kind of work that you and I do is such a it's so it's such a privilege and honor isn't it 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 sounds really cheesy but it's kind of cool to watch people just getting better yeah Yeah, (laughs) for sure and if people want to engage with you, are you um, active on social media, so Instagram, yeah. LinkedIn, Facebook, mm-hmm. where can people find you? And also uh, if people want to have a listen to your podcast, which I would uh, yeah, strongly recommend, just hearing stories of really interesting people uh, in Japan uh, and outside Japan as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, how can people find you there? So com is my website. Um, and the legends, if you put in, uh, Google search Sarah Furuya Legends. It will immediately take you to that page. Yeah. Um, I'm having a break from Facebook, and I don't know if I'll ever go back. But I'm still <laughs> posting through Instagram, um, and I have a pay- Facebook page, like a coaching page there that my um, admin manager okay. manages as well. So any messages come to me, and she's always got her eye on that as well. So we're still kind of present there. Um, I have an Instagram, Sarah Furuya, which is where I just do my kind of daily posts. And Sarah Furuya Creative is where the business stuff goes up and all the links to everything is in there. And I am on LinkedIn as well. Yes, yeah, Sarah Furuya or Sarah Everett Furuya. But anyway, it's it's easy. Or Sarah Furuya Creative, I think there's a business page there as well. But again, that's managed by my admin manager. And um, 
yeah so just all the usual places but i'm stuck again currently deciding do i want to go back to facebook because i'm quite enjoying the peace and quiet without it (laughs) understandable yeah Yeah, so that's that's it Fantastic. Um, well, thank you very much for your time. Uh, I've been very, very generous with your time. I know you're extremely busy. Oh, I'm and, so uh, sorry. I told you I would no, go on. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, there's a lot of really useful information in there. And it was great to, to hear a little bit more about your, your story and, uh, and and how you actually sort of approach your coaching, which I think is, is really cool as well. So, um, yes, thank you very much for your time. And, um, yeah, look forward to perhaps speaking again in the future. Sam, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. You asked me a couple of absolutely killer questions there, which goes to show what a brilliant interviewer you are. So thank you. I'm not just saying that to flatter you either. <laughs> Genuinely. <laughs> no, it's, um, yeah, it was great to have you on. Lani um, always speaks uh, very highly of you as a you know, very uh, influential person within um, the, the, the Tokyo business community. And um, so, yeah, I was really keen to get you on. And, uh, yes, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Tokyo Living Podcast. If you enjoy the content, we'd love for you to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you'd like to enjoy your podcast. We look forward to seeing you again on the next episode. Have a healthy and active week.